Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. So last Sunday, Tom shared with us how the spirit at work within us creates the possibility of a transformed life. We've been looking at the Holy Spirit, haven't we? And we're in uh, Romans at the moment. So if you want to turn to Romans 8, uh, I'm going to be reading that in a minute. But God at work in us changes everything. Just think about that for a minute. It is actually amazing that we can be transformed God, the creator of the whole world, wants to work in our lives to change us to be more like him. Today's passage says that because of this great news, we have a responsibility to live by the Spirit. So let's read the passage. It says, Romans 8 verse 12, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So this week, we are continuing to think about how the Spirit works in us. And we're going to specifically look at how the Spirit helps us to fight sin. I've been wondering why Paul, when he wrote Romans, uses the word obligation he says we have an obligation not to the flesh but to the spirit how can such good news be an obligation surely a better word would be invitation we have this incredible invitation to walk through life with the holy spirit but maybe it's because god knows us better than we know ourselves and he knows that often we turn down the invitation We turn down the invitation despite the incredible life um, of walking with God that we're invited into. So, So God is pressing this point further to say it's our responsibility to take up the invitation. And why is it important? When a person becomes a Christian, when they give their life to following Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of them, it doesn't mean that they automatically start thinking and acting and looking and feeling like Jesus. It doesn't mean we become perfect overnight. We know that all too well. When we give our lives to following Jesus, God accepts us exactly as we are. We don't have to have any qualifications to walk with Jesus. When people say, and you'll have definitely heard this, um, that they're not good enough for God, they really haven't understood God at all because there's no point in ever trying to be good enough for God and it's just accepting that we're not and that we need Jesus who is good enough for God. When the Holy Spirit shines a light on our need for Jesus and we put our trust in him, he forgives us and unconditionally welcomes us and adopts us into God's family just as we are. This is just the beginning of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He has got so much more for us. 
I remember a youth worker saying to me just as I was about to leave home, he said, Lizzie, you can be a Christian and be saved and be part of God's family, but God also invites you into an adventure with him. A life led by the Spirit, where you invite God to take over every part of your life. You know, in this passage, you really sense that Paul is urging the, the people, to um, the believers, to live like that. It's a life of putting to death the stuff that distracts us from following God and enables us to live lives free from sin, fully satisfied in him and all for his glory. The Spirit wants us to live our most alive life. I'll say that again. The Spirit wants us to live our most alive life. That's whether you've been a Christian for five minutes or 50 years. There is always a more alive life to be had in Jesus. But we are in a battle. Our enemy Satan hates life and peace. He wants to destroy all that is good and keep people living from living their most alive life in Jesus. John 10 verse 10 says, the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. My dad wasn't brought up in a Christian family. His dad had a, my granddad had a gambling problem and whenever he lost, he took it out on my dad. By the time my dad was in his 20s, he was a bit of a mess, really. And although he was married at that point to my mum and they had my brother Jake, um, my dad was spending more and more money on drugs. He was addicted. But then he started reading the Bible with um, a friend's dad and he ended up giving his life to following Jesus. My dad knew that he couldn't follow Jesus and, and keep using the drugs. He knew it was wrong to keep using drugs, but he was addicted. One night, not long after he got saved, he describes what sounds like a fight he had with the devil. He knew, and my dad is not particularly charismatic at all, he, but he knew that God was asking him to give up the drugs. But as he was praying about it, he could feel, actually feel a physical hand around like gripped around his neck. The addiction was literally a stronghold in his life and the enemy did not want to let go. The conversation that my dad must have been having with God must have sounded a bit like this. Kevin, that's my dad's name, you need to give up the drugs. And my dad would reply, but I can't, I'm addicted. Kevin, you need to give up the drugs. And my dad would reply, I'm addicted. All night he felt like he was in a battle. But eventually dad says that as he fell asleep that night, he remembers saying to God, okay, God, you're in charge. You know, not in a kind of defiant, victorious, it was a, okay, God, you know, you're in charge. And the next day my dad woke up and was completely free of addiction. And he never used drugs again. Overnight, that, that aspect of his life was totally transformed. My mum was so blown away by the change she saw in him that she gave her life to Jesus too. Now I know that God doesn't always change people quite so dramatically. And my dad, 50 years later, is still far from perfect. 
God is still working on my dad, just like he's working on each one of us. Some people may actually have a lifelong battle with addiction, but for some reason, God decided that my dad's addiction was the first thing he was going to work on. And early on in his walk with God, my dad got to see the very real battle that is going on between the flesh and the spirit. He also got to see who wins when we allow the spirit to work in our life. My uncle Andrew, my dad's little brother, who also would regularly get a beating from their dad, um, went on to become an alcoholic. And tragically, he died before he was 50 of a massive um, internal bleed that was related to his alcohol consumption. My granddad lived into his 80s and even on his deathbed was gambling, um, hoping that that win would make up for all the money that he, he, his family had gone without during his life. The spirit gives life, but life by the flesh results in death. Now that is quite an unusual example of how God's spirit works in us and how it enables us to fight sin. Sin comes in all shapes and sizes and often sin actually is a good thing gone wrong. Something that we've sought more of than God to satisfy us. How often do we get distracted from God? How often do we look to other things to fulfil us rather than God? The word sin literally means to miss the mark. Sin is looking to anything other than God um, to satisfy us. Every time we do it, we miss out on God's best. God knows that he is the only one who can truly satisfy us. I had six brothers growing up and no sisters. I was desperate for a sister when I was a little girl. I would say to myself, if only I had a sister, then I would be happy. Then I'd be really happy. When I was single in my 20s, I watched all my friends get together and get married before I did. I was desperate for a boyfriend. I would think to myself, if only I had a boyfriend, then I would be really happy. When I met Tom and he took ages to propose, I was so frustrated with him for being so slow. And I would think if only he would propose, then I would be really happy. When we got married, I couldn't wait to start a family. If only we could have children, then I would be really happy. When I had three small children, I'd look around at friends with lots of support from parents and say, if only I had more help then I would be happy. I could go on with the list, but can you see how whatever stage of life we're in, there's a danger that instead of looking to God to satisfy us, we have a long list of if-onlys. Unless we are satisfied in God, nothing will ever satisfy us, however appealing and lovely that seems to us. If only I had more money, If only I had that promotion, if only I still fit into a size 10, if only I was friends with that person. You know, longing for those things is not a bad thing. They're all good things. But when we begin to invest more time, energy, thoughts, emotions in those things rather than Jesus, when Jesus begins to get pushed out of the centre of our lives and those things become more important to us, They become bad things because they distract us from God. 
who knows that our most alive life will always have Jesus at the centre. Can you think of good things in your life that could squeeze out Jesus? So, how does the Spirit help us to fight the sin that is fighting for our attention? Well, first, it is worth repeating that if you are a believer, you get to have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God himself. There are not different versions of the Holy Spirit. There's not a watered-down version or a super-deluxe version, depending on who you are and, and where you live. We all get the same Holy Spirit. Think of some of your favourite Christian heroes. Maybe it's Tim Keller or Jackie Pullinger or Colin Barron. We all get the same Holy Spirit. And that's the same Holy Spirit that Jesus had. Romans 8 verse 11 says, And if the Spirit who raised, the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. And that same Holy Spirit who revealed to us that our salvation is found in Jesus alone continues to reveal to us the truth about God. The Holy Spirit works in us to make Jesus the most important and significant person or thing in our lives. The Spirit's job is to shine a light on Jesus. The Spirit makes Jesus more beautiful than the sin that we crave. The Spirit works in our hearts so we want to obey Jesus. What a prayer to pray. God, make Jesus more beautiful than the sin I crave. As we fix our eyes on Jesus, as we invest in our relationship with him, as we seek him with all our heart, mind and strength, his beauty becomes more beautiful. This is why it's so important and so good to fill our lives with truth about God. It's so important why we sing songs about God and how great he is. You know, when I sing about how great God is, everything is put into the right perspective. As Jesus becomes more beautiful in our lives, our hearts slowly but surely begin to align with his. Jesus liberates us from our slavery to sin. He fills us with his very own faithfulness and gives us a security in him that means that we're not constantly searching for something better. He gives us love for people who we find really hard work and irritating. He enables us to forgive people who have really hurt us. He helps us to be generous with our time and money. We begin to want him more than anything else as he reveals to us the things in our hearts that might distract us from God. Let me tell you a story about a boy called Joe. You might recognise him. Joe was brought up in a big family. His dad had had kids with quite a lot of other women. His stepbrothers were all pretty messed up and involved in all kinds of like criminal activity. And tragically, his mum died when giving birth to his younger brother. There was a lot of rivalry and violence in the family and Joe was on the sharp end of that. He was abused and exploited by his own family and eventually forced to leave. Life was hard for Joe. Somehow, though, 
He managed to keep his faith in God and somehow he found himself working in a very well-paid job for a guy who was probably a millionaire. Now, Joe was a good-looking guy and one day his boss's wife asked him to sleep with her. The likelihood is that if he had, nobody would have found out. Joe hadn't had, a, had great role models in how to treat women and Joe could have thought, frankly, I deserve some fun. Everything has gone wrong for me up until now. I've been treated badly. Why not? You know, why not? Here's a woman who actually likes me. But Joe didn't say that. Instead, Joe said, how could I sin against God? Pleasing God was more beautiful to Joe than sin offered to him on a plate. I wonder how often we give in to our flesh, to our sinful desires, just because we think we flipping deserve it. The only way Joseph was able to say no to Potiphar's wife was because God was more important. The Holy Spirit acts as a floodlight in our lives. As we walk through our life, he begins to shine a light in our hearts. He makes us sensitive to God's truth. The Spirit makes our sin real to us, but it also makes Jesus more real too. We can run to Jesus and say sorry and trust in him to help us turn away from sin and towards him. I'm sure we've all got a million examples of when God has shone a light on sin in our lives. Oh man, it can be the most uncomfortable thing, can't it? But the Holy Spirit doesn't shine that light to embarrass us or to put us down. He does it because he loves us too much and he wants us to live our most alive life in him. He does it because he knows that if we don't put our trust in him and we put our trust in something else, then we're settling for something that will only partially satisfy us. And we're missing out on our best life with Jesus right at the centre. The way we grow in God by living is by living a life of constantly repenting and believing, repenting and believing, saying sorry for our sin and then trusting and believing in the forgiveness that Jesus gives. As we do that, God gradually becomes the central place in our life. Revivals have started through repentance And we all need revival of our hearts. I wonder if there are people even here today who who can feel the Holy Spirit convicting them for the first time, for the very first time. This is is God's love for you. When we feel God's conviction, it's God's love for us, that he would show us where we need to say sorry. Why not ask God to show you where you've been distracted from him? Ask God to gently and lovingly reveal the stuff in your life that is hindering you um, from living your most alive life. There is something really powerful about saying sorry out loud. It can be a significant marker in the sun. No one is judging you. Um, We're all sinners. We all need Jesus.